And once again, everybody knows every Tuesday at 8, another exciting edition of the MCW cast. I'm Legacy, MCW announcer, Larry Legend. I'm MCW promoter, Dan McDevitt. And I'm Tara. Welcome to the cast. That's right. Welcome. And thank you once again for letting us into your internet universe with what we've been presenting now. 31 episodes 31. in. 31. Mm-hmm. Episode 31. That's right. Uh, well, I guess if we keep on this trajectory, uh, before long, we'll be at episode 52. And you know <laughs> what that means? It'll be a year in. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? We're almost episode 40, and it seems like a lot of things have been turning 40. A lot of in things. In the last couple yeah, of days. Yeah. Uh, the, the National Aquarium, Baltimore City National Aquarium, mm-hmm. turned 40 on August 3rd. MTV. MTV. Recently MTV. turned 40. That was July 31st. I've right? got a fun one. Um, Super Mario turned 40. Uh, wow. Mario uh, first appeared in uh, um uh, arcade game called Mario Brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, this is even before Donkey Kong and that, that console, that... Uh, you know, stand was, up. Was Mario Brothers before Donkey Kong? Yes, I thought it was. Mario didn't. I thought Mario. I always thought Mario appeared the first time in Donkey Kong. That's no. Nope. No? Nope. Mario first appeared in a, a game. It was you know the arcades that we actually had mm-hmm. to go and put quarters into, and it was just called Mario Brothers. It wasn't called Super Mario Brothers because right. they weren't super just yet, just Mario Brothers. <laughs> and there, it was a it's a mini game that is is it appears in Super Mario Three. Where you just basically run across uh, the screens and you hit the pow in the middle to knock these turtles over and right. you kick them and you get coins. So yeah, 1981 Mario. So Mario is 40 years Mario old. Mario and his brother Luigi. Luigi Mario also 40 years old. A lot of Crazy. milestones in yeah. 1981, yeah. and that's the year I was born. I'll be turning 40 before wow. long. So yeah. Well, I'm a hair older than you. <laughs> <laughs> just a tad. Not a, not many milestones in the year I was born. You know someone else who's 40 years old uh, is uh, born in 81 in September. Uh, the the king, Nick Gage, who has had an oh, amazing... 42? He and I are the same age. When you okay. look at that man in whatever sort of media that you happen to be viewing, whether it be the David Arquette documentary or the Vice Dark Side of the Ring show, that's a 40-year-old man. And he and I are wow. the same age and... Hats off to Nick Gage. Yeah, he's uh, really kind of, things have been hot for him. Absolutely. With him and Game Changer Wrestling, had that huge deal with um, episode 17's guest, Matt Cardona, right mm-hmm. here on the MCW cast. We had Matt Cardona fresh out of his WWE stint, and he was talking about, um, you know, just life after WWE. Well, that took him to Game Changer Wrestling. He and Nick Gage had been kind of warring with each other on Twitter. Mm-hmm. It turned all the way into a confrontation. And uh, Nick lost the GCW World Championship to, to Matt Cardona. And from an independent wrestling promoter standpoint, um, you know, like there's so much hate in wrestling, right? You oh, know, yeah. people jump on, you know, people in the business. Is, it all, that's the one thing I, I've never liked about the business is like how like n- people. There's so many people that don't support like the industry as a whole. And from an independent wrestling promoter, I was happy to see that viral i mean that indie promotion because they're an indie promotion with those videos that went viral and that buzz that matt Mm -hmm. man they created something they they made magic yeah um the two of them and you got to give it to them i mean i saw a lot of the twitter facebook videos hundreds thousands five hundred six hundred thousand views for an indie show that's just awesome and it and it we were talking about before this show started the excitement you're seeing that excitement from coming back from the lockdowns for a year 
um, you know, for that kind of buzz for live wrestling. It was good to see. Yeah, I think another thing that's generating a lot of excitement in that buzz that you're talking about is you don't know who's going to end up where with all those releases recently from WWE. Big names coming out, you know, going to be free agents in 30, what, 30, 60, 90 days, depending and, on their contract. And, and so I think that's driving some, you gotta, some interest there, too. We, we got to give props to a guy like Tony Khan, um, who, you know, ultimately is that, you know, number two promotion in the world. Um, and, uh, you know, they, he's got the national television deal and all that, but he's letting, like, Impact and other promotions get a rub and letting his guys, you know what I mean? He's kind of allowing, um, you know, other promotions to get a rub and kind of you know you kind of got to respect that because you know on well, the he, wwe hasn't done, done a whole lot of that i think know? he needs to he needs but to extend good, those know. olive branches early on and I, you it's know argue, but, it's very you can argue that i mean a lot of people say they got the hottest wrestling promotion on television right now the hardest wrestling the industry show. overall is better with competition Right. You know, it, it when Vince bought up all the competition 20 years ago, you, yeah. it changed things in a in a bad way and took away that element of who's going to do what next, you know, and they're doing this, they're doing that, you know, and this, you know, spreading the wealth around, so to speak, and letting you. people, you know, you. make their name in other promotions is only good for the business overall. You That's know? right. What's the saying about um, like tide rises and like all it raises? What's the saying? You know what I'm talking about? Like no. the tide rises. <laughs> Like tide know. rises and like all, all the ships, all ships. There's a saying. I, I don't know that one, but I want to make wrestling must-see TV again because I think that's what we're talking about is we come from the era of when wrestling was mm -hmm. us flipping back and forth between Nitro and Raw to see what's going to happen, who's mm -hmm. going to come out. And just like you said, Tara, with all the releases, Bray Wyatt a not too long ago. ago. Yeah. Yeah. Big that, names. I tell you, I don't usually get shocked. I saw you. I was, yeah. I was shocked. Oh, yeah. Working on the computer, I was working, doing some work, and when that came across, you like, dropped the your Twitter coffee. Feed, I was <laughs> shocked. Yeah, because um, I just felt like that. I, I can, uh, you know, you see wrestling fans and all were going crazy, but uh, it does feel like maybe WWE didn't see the value in him that he, as valuable as he was. I, if you just kind of look at, there was like four, probably different. Uh, major incarnation of, of him that and like everyone he got over and then they'd kind of bury it the when you know look when the fiend lost to goldberg i was like i I can't even believe that you know i just felt like he kind of every time he got momentum mm -hmm. he got cut off well you I know just, what it is dan you know, and i actually even thinking about this a lot and tara you can chime in as well but i almost feel like that if you look at the wwe as like a season of saturday night live and you got your Chris Farley and your Phil Hartmans and your Kevin Nealans that go from season to season, but eventually they're gone. And as much as you love that character, Matt Foley was mine, you know, mm -hmm. that Chris Farley did. He goes on and does all the movies, Beverly Hills Ninja and Tommy Boy and all that. And, you know, they kind of almost grow out of the business. It seems like we're in an era where these characters, no matter how much of an emotional attachment we see the fans having on them, the, the machine keeps going and it keeps churning them out. And even I guess the thing about Bray is he's a he's a third generation superstar. And I remember back when we were, you know, in the 90s, it was like, oh, he's a third generation superstar. Mm -hmm. They were in the business for life. They were in WWE for life. Mm -hmm. But I guess that's just the the way of change. Right. Uh, because he he was his head was on the chopping block. And 
and Ric Flair, I believe, right after him. Mm -hmm. I remember they re they released. Yeah, Ric, Ric Flair. Flair had released a statement mm -hmm. saying, "I guess he asked for that." Um, yeah, you know, he, he can. He can, he, he can do whatever he, he wants. He does car he shield does. commercials now, right. I see, you know? Well, you know, and I think this just shows, again, what a exciting time it is in the wrestling business, is that you have established guys and girls even asking for their releases to go try other things, you know? So this is just better all around, you know? Just liven things up, freshen things up, you know? Uh, we, always the criticism with WWE is they don't properly use people. And certainly that was coming out with, you know, Bray Wyatt. Several people were tweeting about that, you know, that he wasn't being used properly or, his, you know, gimmick was being given to someone else or whatever. But now, you know, there's a chance that people can reinvent themselves. So I think, I think it is exciting to see and just wonder and what they're going to do. Somewhere. Oh, for oh sure. gosh. Yeah. Absolutely. He's too talented. Absolutely. Not to, yeah. Even if it's just doing indies, maybe it'll pop up in an MCW. Well, that's show. what I'm saying. Matt yeah. Cardona maybe paved the way for a lot of these guys mm -hmm. post their time in WWE doing, you know, appearances on the MCW cast sure. and rolling right into GCW winning the championship. I, I really think um I think I really do believe the next couple years you're going to see an independent um explosion mm -hmm. because a lot of the the bigger companies are already, you know, they're going to be doing their TVs but they're not going to be doing a lot of house shows. Yeah. Um even like the smaller like the smaller big promotions like Ring of Honor from what we're hearing like they're just they're not they're going to do their TVs but they're not planning a lot of house shows and like that's so if you're going to want to you know fans in different areas they want to see live wrestling they're going to have to come to indies and i really i think it's gonna i think it, i really do think you're going to see a a real like a big surge in indie wrestling i think it's going to be great for us i think the writing is on the wall i agree with you and real quick before we stop all this chatter at the around the horn here to start the cast off i want to just shout out also uh you know nick gage also 40 like i Appeared on AEW a few weeks ago in the main event against Jericho in a death match. Now, you you know that, you know, in my travels, mm -hmm. I am very familiar in the death match arena. And to see Nick and Jericho kind of actually step up to the plate and do kind of that style of wrestling. That props to Chris Jericho that's, for a yeah, guy yeah. that does not have to do that stuff. But he always, you, you got to, I, I think you have to put him in the goat conversation oh absolutely um just because of absolutely that, because of what he does um but it's something from that match a few weeks ago it's 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 funny and funny how wrestling and things happen organically and create moments that go viral that are just funny what about right as after the pizza cutter on jericho and it goes to a domino's commercial i thought it was i thought it was intentionally done uh -huh. I, I when I was watching as I because of course I was hanging I don't watch a lot of things I was stay informed for the cast but I am not glued anymore to the screen I was glued to Nick Gage's appearance on AEW to see how he did see how Jericho did and when they went to the commercial that was a picture in picture and Nikki pulled the the pizza cutter out I'm like oh this is brilliant mm -hmm. they're uh they they're you know shaking hands with Domino's <laughs> like you know here's our product that our people are gonna think of you when they watch Deathmatch Wrestling. They were furious. And they that's the thing that's crazy, right? Domino's was furious, but can I tell you that like all that free you know, press. The the press yeah, was amazing. I, honestly, I had not thought about Domino's pizza in years. Yeah. 
And I got kids like, well, pizza, but we, we have a couple local pizza shops. Yeah. You know, They're always are, better. I don't care. You know, you know? Domino's in like 15, I mean, 20 15 years. years. Right. <laughs> I wouldn't, if you would have asked me, I would have had to wonder were they still in business. <laughs> right. Like I really, so when hearing how mad they were, I was like, that's crazy. They got so right. much extra press out of that because the videos went viral because people were like, oh my God. That yeah. Was <laughs> like I was like, how could they be mad? They got, they probably got 10 times what they right. paid for and i guess they they were thinking or in their eyes like you know pizza is supposed to be a family fun gathering <laughs> and the pizza cutter is to bring people together <laughs> not to tear a person apart uh so yeah. I, I guess i see where that came from but yeah just a lot of excitement in the world of pro wrestling uh, hey we didn't even thank our coffee club I subscribers know. thank you to yeah. all of them for supporting us each week we really appreciate it thank you to all of our listeners and watchers who are watching us um on youtube facebook and twitch and for those listening on your podcast platforms apple Podcasts, google play soundcloud spotify stitcher pocket cast breaker radio public and Castbox. And if you're listening, you would have checked out our last week's guest with Kelly Bell. What an exciting conversation that was. That blues Kelly yep. Bell, former MCW commissioner at yeah, one point. Right. I know. My former tag team partner, that's by right. the way. Yeah. And, and we probably, like a guy, we have this experience with, you know, like people that we've known for decades. But that was another instance where we probably could have talked till four in the morning. Yeah. Um, I'm sure. We realized I, we weren't even, we weren't even like scraping the you know surface exactly uh, like when, when we were done exactly um but yeah it was good to see kelly yeah I, I missed out on the conversation with you kelly but yeah thank you for joining us and like you said we're gonna have to have a lot of these the bob stars the kelly yeah. bells the mark Schraders for a part two well, we'll we have see, another and, oh. and we had announced it um mm -hmm. we announced it and kelly's talked about it on social media um at this point but he's making a return he's going to be in the bruiser Battle Royal. That's right. Right on. Yeah. Yeah. September, yeah. On one of my September picks, 17th. yeah. yeah. Was definitely... And it's, it's for the MCW title. Mm -hmm. So wow, Kelly, Kelly after... Bell could come back and become an MCW come, champion. Come back and become MCW champion. <laughs> <laughs> a what a strange out of the things ring. have yeah. happened. It's a fairy tale. So that yeah. brings us to this week's guest, who is another person who has longstanding ties to MCW that goes way back. So That's right. From Larry, the... you want to give us an introduction? Absolutely. From the very last graduating class of the original Homebreakers Pro Wrestling Training Academy, our very special in-studio guest this week. I like to call him Jimmy Dream, but you may have heard of James Ellsworth. And we are back here live in the studio with our guest, internationally known, but origins right here in MCW Pro, the James Ellsworth. James, thanks for joining us here on the MCW cast. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. It's going to start snowing in the MCW cast. <laughs> <laughs> right? I just saw the forecast in hell. It's minus 30 <laughs> degrees, <laughs> which would be freezing. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of people, I guess it was going to snow, would have started snowing after re uh, Resurrection. Oh, yeah. A few weeks ago. Yeah. Well, uh Jimmy, or James Ellsworth, thanks for joining us. And as I was giving your intro before we went to break, I, I gave a pretty significant factoid. You are a member of the last graduating, cl uh, graduating class excuse me, of the original Bone Breakers, where I first got introduced to the world of pro wrestling. Tara, you, Dan, you started it with Mark Schrader. Um, and that was quite 
um, the the colorful cast, the last class that we had, you and Cowboy Death, Brad Rory, and uh, oh, that's right, um, uh, Pretty wow. Boy Scott Dorsey, who went on to do the artwork. Well, yeah, for, he did that. He, artwork. he was from the last. Yeah, did the, the bruiser. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that um, Sidney. I remember Sidney. Uh, he, he, he was still pitter patter around. Uh, yeah, he's still around. So yeah, you remember Kid Sexy. Porter. I'm sure you remember. Of course. Yes. Yeah, Sean oh Preachin. How could we forget? Sean Preachin. He'll pop up every couple years in my inbox. Wow, <laughs> really? He's still. Yes, yeah, uh, I know, right? That's what I'd be thinking. You know, he'll around. pop up. Yeah, he'll pop up, and um, that guy was a character. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm that, saying. That, the whole that, yeah, yeah that yeah. whole class, Chris Clow and uh, but, Flipper. Flipper was from that. Yep. That, that class. And what, you know what? That I, I well, did. She, her, and her husband still together? I, I don't know. Sh- Sher- Sherwood. That was his name, Sherwood, because I remember his name. His first name was Sherwood, like the Sherwood Falls. Her husband was her first. His first name was, was Sherwood. Cash. That was that oh, was Cash. Angela yeah. for people oh, familiar yeah, with MCW. Cash. She was her Angela. Her husband's but... name was Cash. They were both gymnasts. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Was, for yeah. some reason I thought it was Sherwood. No, no, it was his name was Cash, and uh, <laughs> I I lost touch with her, but I did go to her their house um, in Mount Airy. In Mount Airy, yeah. yeah, when she had was pregnant with her first child, so that was oh she years, did have a couple kids. That was years ago. Yeah, yeah. So that I was think the last in, time. in different times. You remember Angela? Yeah. So I think in different times in, in this day and age, with like social media and the way things go viral, she's a girl that probably would have ended up with a job somewhere, mm-hmm. based off of like videos. You know what I mean? Because of athletically, that she was a gymnast, mm-hmm. an exceptional gymnast. Yeah, she was and, great. Uh, and um, just the stuff that she could do. Yeah. But maybe before her time or, you know, in, in late 90s, early 2000, you had to go that route. You couldn't, like, go viral or get right. videos that go viral. You had to go the route of, like, going and, you know, go through the Smoky Mountain. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah. you had to go through the territories, the ter- you know, you know yeah. the end of the territories or work your way up, get seen, get tryouts to get seen. You couldn't make yourself... I mean, it's a lot different now. Yeah. Like, I think she's a girl that probably would have would have benefited in this day and age. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I agree. Yeah. And she was, she, uh, you know, you had me pull her hair uh, at, at Fort Meade. She was fighting. Don't get me canceled. Well, she was fighting Kylie Pierce, and I don't know why. Right. Why? I, I don't know what the motivation was, but I jumped up on the apron. I pulled her hair and cost her the match against Kylie Pierce. Was that Kylie's first match? I think it was both their. Well, couldn't it have been both their first match? That should be around 2005. Yeah, 2005. Kylie. Yeah, 2005. Exactly. I, I Kylie's first match was at Fort Meade. I remember because I, I don't know. I was in the. I was. I don't know. That part's a little bit blurry. Were but you I was Kim there. In a tag match or something? Was it a tag match? I don't know, but she was crying. I just remember no, I she was very I nervous. I remember that. That Gail Kim was in the match. I think. Maybe. I, we're going to have to go to kind of remember these things blurred together right. so many of yeah. these shows so that was the re- that was the return of mcw when we came back that was like 2006 no no, no. well no right? no it was the fort Meade championship wrestling because remember it for yeah. fort Meade wrestling fmw brother yeah you know you know we weren't really back but we were still using the same guy you know and uh yeah it was one of those shows you brought in billy gunn i guess Lawler. I did. The promoter. Oh, yeah. The promoter. The military Facebook, though. Yeah. You know? they, had their own, they had their own email address. <laughs> yeah. It was a completely different promotion. Yeah, Come yeah. on. The promoter yeah. of that company, <laughs> yeah, I guess, but... brought all them in. Christian and. Uh huh. Yeah. 
Yeah. But you were from that wild and woolly era of uh of that class that that went on, and I I dare say you probably have gone on to the the most you have gone on to the most heights of anyone that was from that last Bone Breakers class. So it's that's hard to believe that's been twenty years almost. Yeah. yeah. But it's an important lesson to anyone that is in the business right now. You may not you may not know where your path is going to lead you. I remember announcing you in a skate rink in York, PA, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, that was Larry Sweeney was on the show, uh, Ruckus, uh, Axel Rotten was on that show, and um, I would have never thought, you know, fast forward maybe 10 years, and here you are on my TV facing Braun Strowman. Right. It's, <laughs> you just got to keep going. That's what I tell people. Just stick with it. Keep, I mean, that, that's what it's all about. You, you and never, all that was just organic. Yeah. You were just doing a job. Yeah. Right. What was the thing that kind of, that kind of made it stand out, I think, that, like, where you kind of, you got that, like, internet buzz. Was it, like, because they did a promo. Was it that because they gave you a promo? Didn't they give you a live promo Yeah, I, I think it was a, a combination of things. Like, I remember going up there, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have plain gear. Because if you have gear that might have, like, a name on it or something that looks really special, they might not use you because you got to look like a job or you got to look like an handsome guy. So I had, like, you know, the black tights. I slicked my hair back back in those days, like, on the independents. I would wear a mohawk, but that particular day I slicked my hair back. Just I wanted to look like a jobber. I, you know, that's what I'm there to do. And so I had that look of like, this looks like an 80s jobber pretty much. And then, like you said, they gave me a promo, which I didn't know. They didn't what, usually do, right? Like no. That, to, were they doing that for that time again? They were doing it for Braun was killing It was people? for Braun to, you know, start his chugga, chugga, chugga. I'm a monster. You were right. the first victim. Yeah. So, yeah, like you basically, the, uh, the gimmick they were going with was. You got to say your last words before Braun came out. And oh, killed is that what yeah. it was? Okay. Oh, gotcha. And okay. I was the first one that got to do it. They did it every week after that for like six to eight weeks. I don't remember any of the other guys that were in it, but you know. Yeah, and so like I said, it was a combination. They gave me the promo. I um, and they they gave it to me probably an hour before TV started. Like, hey, you got a promo. It's like a you know thirty seconds long, and Jimmy Jacobs was the writer and who also is a wrestler and I think he's with uh, is he with Impact now? Yeah, he's so, with Impact now. Yeah, great guy. Shout out to him, just awesome guy. I remember asking him, reading the promo. I'm like, well, I'm punching him twice. Can I say this line? Any man with two hands has a fighting chance. It's kind of from Rocky Five, but I made it my own, like made it a little different. Um, and he goes, yeah, that sounds cool. Yeah, go ahead and say it. I'm like, oh, okay. It was that easy? Like, all I had to do was ask? Because if I don't ask that, if I'm scared to ask that because you're up there, you're, you don't work there, you're right. just going to They give you a set promo, yeah. but you asked to adjust it. Mm-hmm. Which I, like, because he was so cool, I felt comfortable asking yeah. him. If it wasn't and him, you may have not I asked. May not. And then they may not have happened because that was kind of, it was that line, like, a lot of people were putting that. They just thought that was the greatest. It seemed like the internet, you know, they fall in love with stuff. Like, we were talking mm-hmm. about at the beginning with, like, they made the Zack Ryder stuff go mm-hmm. viral and hit, you know, like it's weird, but it was like that. I remember that, like that promo, they just thought it was great. And maybe it was because the ridiculous size difference between yeah. you guys. Cause it just looked like he was just going to eat you. But mm-hmm. also, I, you I think too, like it kind of spoke to any kid who had to face their like high school bully on the playground. You know what I mean? Like it just called 
you know, into that, called that into perspective. Yeah. Like, yeah, you like, know, I was that kid that stood up to my bullies. You know what I mean? Yeah. I had my fists up. I got the crap beat out of me. Like, I think uh, that it was yeah. something that was relatable and identifiable with people who may have experienced that. Yeah, because even if you lose the fight to that bully who's a lot bigger than mm-hmm. you, you still get the respect of you stood up to him. Right. So, yeah. yeah. There's, there's... It was kind of like a little perfect storm for you with yeah, everything all that happened. And then it was like a lot of the memes of like your facial expressions, which was good, which... You know, I've heard for 30 years I've been in wrestling, it's always about the face. Oh, yeah. You hear it. It's always, you know, you've always heard the guys that that have made the most money, like The Rock and all. You always see The Rock would say, like, it's all right here. You know what I mean? Like, it's all, which is when you're on television, you know what I mean? It's about those facials are are more important than the moves. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, And all those kind of things that ended up in a bunch of memes and that. Yeah, yeah, that was cool. Like all the memes and everything. That wasn't like the reason they brought me back. I remember that particular day, like the match before me, Sasha Banks won the women's title for the first time. It was the first time winning the women's title. And I remember being a gorilla ready to like, and you don't go down the ramp when you're enhancement talent. They have you like walk through the crowd and, yeah, and, and like, yeah, yeah. just pop up in the ring. Yeah, so yeah. I remember like I was watching her like hug Stephanie McMahon and like Triple H. And I'm like in that moment, they're like, oh, you got to go. You got and I forgot to walk through the crowd i walked down the ramp oh right did you get heat yeah well that there's a good backstory that so i get in the ring and um the the referee spider he goes you're supposed to go through the crowd i'm like oh man so i'm already like i already messed up yeah Yeah. (laughs) and so match starts or they they come in the ring for the promo uh byron saxton who who, he's great so we do the promo and then after the match after it's all set and done i get to the back and art anderson he was the agent he goes hey i Great job. You did everything great. He goes, uh, Vince wants to see you. And I'm and I'm thinking, oh, my God, Vince is going to yell at me for walking <laughs> down the ramp. Like, who do you think you are? <laughs> like, you're walking down this ramp right now. You don't work here. Like, I, that's what I thought I was going to see him for. And then when I went and saw Vince, like, I, I was walking up the stairs and grilling. He came through the curtain, like, looking for me. He's like, hey, come here. He's like, great job. Great promo. He's like, I'll be in touch with you. And shook my hand. I'm like, huh? Like what? <laughs> I was like yeah. so scared he was gonna chew me out for walking down the ramp when I have the pistons walking right. down the ramp. <laughs> yeah, so uh, that's what it was. Vince just saw something as he was watching that. He's like, like, wait a minute, what is it? What's this kid? Like different look, you know? The promo was good, like facial expressions, and he just he picked up on that right away. It was him right away that like noticed something in me, and I, every week. They were sending me ideas for like six weeks before I ever came back. Well, but you also saw like you also saw um, like the momentum building each week. Like it kept being like more and more memes. Mm -hmm. And then like people would have signs in the crowd. Yeah. You know, people would have signs in the crowd because from a, you know, like, well, I'd always at that time I would watch the product and try to stay. But also from a local perspective. Because even though this is kind of being seen everywhere, from a local perspective, um, me and you were like kind of rival wrestling promoters, right, right. Um, and you know we hadn't talked for years. Um, and then there's a lot of guys that worked, guys and girls that worked for me or worked for you, and um, got there was, and look, uh, there was a lot of people that had heat with you because they hated the fact you were getting this opportunity, right. you know, and. Um, so it would be like a buzz locally with the guys. It'd be like, oh, my God, Ellsworth, or he's going to end up with a job. Like, yeah. I'd have, you know what I mean? And honestly, I would always like, hey, man, if he does, he does. Like, it is what it is. But it seemed like for a couple weeks there, like, there was 
you did have momentum with the fans on your side, and it wasn't really being said. It wasn't like the WWE was promoting it, but I remember you just started seeing more and more memes online, and then, like I said, like people having your like face like in the crowd right. would pop up like on Raw, your facial. So you had to obviously notice that. Well, yeah, every and week I, when they were doing those uh, uh, those matches with Braun, they bring the rest of the extra talent out. Right. And that's every week when they would do that, that's when the internet or people in the crowd would have their signs or tweet about, uh, we would bring the Ellsworth guy back. Like every So week was the WWE enhancing that or was it organic? Like in other words, did if they were talking to you, did the WWE want it or was it just really kind of organic like it seemed? Well, every week they were sending me ideas like right when I did the um, Strowman match, the next day they said, hey, next week we might need you for Raw to come out dressed as Enzo and Chris Jericho is going to beat you up. Like, he's calling out Enzo and you come out dressed as him and he beats you up. <laughs> and then, like, a couple days later, I'm like, oh, man, this would be cool. And a couple days later, hey, well, Braun just destroyed you. We can't have you back the next week, which I I totally understood. But, uh, right. You know, but still I was like, oh, man, you know, uh, yeah. another chance. So what must have been happening was Vince immediately liked you and they were pitching – yeah, the writers were pitching more and more ways to bring you back because they knew Vince wanted to see you back um, in some capacity, but they just, that's like kind of like throw it against the wall, see what sticks, but it just kept, you know, rolling on down until finally you did get that opportunity to come back permanently. Right, I remember the, the big one that they didn't do. And like, I was like, oh man, this, they were doing uh, this thing with Heath Slater where he didn't get drafted. That's when they did the draft, the yeah. smack, and no one drafted him. So he didn't have a job. That was his angle. And, they called me. They're like, hey, we might need you for SummerSlam. And if Heath Slater beats you, he gets a, a job for one SmackDown. And, but you win the match, so you get the job. And I was like, oh, man, that's so cool. Like, <laughs> and they didn't do it because Heath was getting over his baby face too. So they so didn't, didn't want to yeah. have two baby faces. That, but I was like, oh, I was the biggest bummer out of all. I was like, man, you know, and then what was it that they eventually popped you back on? They – um. They were in Philly. This was six weeks after the initial uh, Strowman match. They called me. They're like, hey, we're doing SmackDown in Philly. The, um, they were doing this thing where AJ Styles was looking for a tag partner, and he was a heel. He was the champion at the time, and no one wanted to team with him. And Daniel Bryan said, well, if you don't find a partner, we're going to give you one of our choosing. So he's walking around the locker room. Nobody wants to be his partner. So Daniel Bryan's like, well, time's up. We found a partner for you. And he brought me in the screen, and it was supposed to be, uh, well, it was advertised. It was Cena and uh, Moxley, Ambrose at the time, uh -huh. against AJ and, and me. And then, like, as I made my entrance, The Miz beat me up on the ramp, and ultimately The Miz was AJ's partner. But that was how they brought me back, and that's how they tied me to AJ right, right. away. Yeah, and then you were then, yeah, you kind of had that memorable couple things with him. Yeah. You know? Yeah, well, you know something, Jimmy, and this is not a slight to you at all. As someone that grew up watching WWF superstars, grew up watching the likes of Dwayne Gill and Rich Myers and, you know, all of those enhancement talents that, uh, you know, they kept using. When I first saw you up there, I was like, whoa, he looks like a throwback to like the guys that right. you like Dwayne Gill and, and all of those enhancement guys, Iron Mark, Mike Sharp, that would just come out, you know, had that look, you know, something about them, but you knew they were losing. You knew that they were going to lose. So I knew instantly, um, especially, to me, the fact that they were letting you talk, I was like, whoa, that's kind of big. Yeah. Um, not just right. going out there to lose the match already in the ring, but actually getting to say those things. And and that line that you hit that that you asked Jimmy Jacobs if you could you could throw that in there, that was just the icing on the cake. And like you said, though, you hear that a lot from a lot of people where you just had the, the balls or whatever to ask at that point. Most people are so nervous 
with that and being there and I was an extra and you see it and they're so worried about saying the wrong, they just wouldn't even think to say, Hey, can I change this? They just take it and go, Oh, okay. Like I'll read whatever you say. Yeah. It was a blessing to curse. Cause once I got signed, I was like, Oh, he, he let me do it. Maybe he'll let me do it all the time. And sometimes they do or like, no oh, dude, like this is so you would get a little heat or whatever. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like for, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I guess you, you it, it, that's the whole weird thing about wrestling and getting heat and all like, and it's like, Look, I've always said, man, I understood a guy like CM Punk getting so frustrated that he walked away because for years he battled that. For years he was a talented guy that was always like they'd cut the knees off of him. or So he finally got FU power, like they call it FU money, right? Yeah. Like he had made enough and gotten himself over to a point that he could say and do whatever he wanted. And he just was like, forget it. You know what I mean? Like he just, you, you know what I'm saying? Like oh, yeah. it's such a love and passion and you hear it for years with people, but like, it's almost like they mess with you. You know what I mean? Like you say, you get, you know, one minute you, then you, you just suggest something and then all of a sudden you have heat and you're like, Hey man, I just made a suggestion. You know what I mean? Like, it's just a weird business. Believe like you me, Dan, some of us still feel like that we're on that path to getting that F you buddy. And, yeah. and you're going to remember all the times that doors were closed and windows were open and you're your keister was tossed out. Right. Um, so, yeah, I empathize with CM Punk and his, his rise to the top as well. And they say that the cream always rises to the top. Um, you know, Jimmy, I, I said you, or James, I said you, your origins were here. That's why I keep calling you Jimmy. Um, um, but wh when, what was, when was it after Bone Breakers, the original one, we went defunct, I guess, in 2002? Did you immediately... You only got to participate in that battle royal at the last show for that MCW. Was 2003, I think. Wasn't 2003. Our last show was yeah. 2003. Okay, 2003. Yeah. yeah. 2003. Yeah. So I started right like four days after high school. I started when I was 17 at Bone Breakers. Like my parents had to sign the waiver and everything. Like four days. Yeah, you were under. I 18, remember. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it, like I, all the you know when you graduate and people give you money and stuff. Like I used all my money to like go to wrestling school. I remember my dad wanted to kill me. Even on like the way to Bone Breakers, he's like, "Why are you doing this?" You know, uh, you know should invest this and go to college i'm like this is what i want to do like he's all oh, you're small that this ain't gonna amount to nothing like my dad you know yeah. my dad's a great guy i'm not burying my dad but like he right. he was trying to talk some sense in me i was when i was 17 i was probably 125 pounds like i'm like 170 now and i'm still small but back then i was if you guys remember i was really tiny i oh, do you had to we... train with the girls sometimes <laughs> <laughs> and i remember him just trying to talk me out of it so but i remember when i started bone breakers it was I think like yeah, four days after high school is on a Tuesday, and so we we trained five days a week. Back Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Wednesday was uh, the Bruiser Day. He was always yeah, um, at Bone Breakers on Wednesdays, Saturday and Sunday. And I would come if you guys remember every training because mm -hmm. I just I just wanted to be a part of it so bad. Like, Can you believe that we used we to work people like that? I know. Yeah, I, that's oh the biggest God. mistake. You know, like I, I back then, but you talk about like it was. The you know you hear you hear these terms like culture now like the culture was so different oh, man, then. Was it? Yeah. but it, you know like I miss it you yeah. know what I mean the way it was back then even though we couldn't operate the way we did back then we couldn't operate now <laughs> yeah um but yeah just that was it like we were all real young I mean I was you know in my early twenties running a wrestling school. like all I wanted to do was wrestling so I was fine with being open five six days a week. At one time, we were, like, open, I think, like, eight hours a day. Like, when we first started, we were yeah. like, we'll be open 12 to 10 or something. And <laughs> like, really crazy, but you know what I mean? Um, but, yeah, and there, you know, there'd be days. Some some people would just hang out for days, 
you know, down there. It was it was crazy the way we ran it back then. It's a lot different. Well, we had a lot of fun though. I mean, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, the the training I'm sure is a lot different now than it was. Way off. Not, <laughs> well, I mean, not we, even gosh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you were in the military pretty much. Back That's what. Then. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what I was gonna say. It was yeah. like it was like boot camp. And yeah. I actually like, I, I'm glad I got trained that way. Like it, it, you, you got to have thick yeah. skin in this mm -hmm. business, and it, we're going through not going through because it wasn't like a terrible thing or whatever. But getting that type of training, like it, it toughened you up. It did. Like if it, it doesn't break you, yeah, yeah exactly. And, yeah, and we got so many guests. Like Joey Matthews would come down. Mm -hmm. You know, he'd come down and tenderize everyone. Um, Tara, were you about? Was I was. Well, I wanted to talk there. about uh, somebody that you've credited with your training. He also trained me as well. But we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to look at some of those early days. All right. All right, we are back with James Ellsworth. And before we went to break, um, I had brought up one of your early trainers who also uh, helped train me as well. Um, and and you me too, Larry. I yeah, I, I was going to say you were in this time you told period. Me how to snap a bump. Okay. I remember my lesson from him was how to snap that bump. So he was one of those guys you either love him or you hate him. Many people hated him, but he was brilliant as a trainer. And I think that we all at this table can say that we all learned a lot. And that person I'm talking about is Axel Rotten. So can you tell us a little bit about like your early days being trained by Axel and how that was influential in your career? Yeah. So once Bone Breakers uh, wasn't around anymore, I was just doing independence and like, man, I can't even watch the matches from like 2003 2004 <laughs> when i'm first on the independence like i i just i won't watch them so i'm i'm at a show i think it was in virginia kaida pro do you remember kaida pro? oh yeah, yeah mickey was mickey <laughs> jimmy, jimmy dream, or, not jimmy dream kaida. jimmy um jimmy z jimmy z yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, i love jimmy z <laughs> such a wrestling promoter yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um so Sorry. i was on a show there and axel was on the show and i remember he's like hey you're, you're from baltimore right and i said yeah and he goes Ride me back to the show, or ride me back home after the show. I'm like, yeah, cool. You know, I didn't know much about him. You hear things or whatever. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, that'd be cool. So he gets in the car with me. We just started talking. We had like a lot in common. There was some stuff we didn't have in common at all, but we did. <laughs> we, yeah, we had yeah, a, yeah. We we had a lot in common, like music and movies, and and so we just kind of hit it off. And you know, he he would start going to shows with me, even if he wasn't on. He would just go with me to have something to do, which. Back in those like early to mid two thousands was good for him because he wasn't completely out of it yet. He mm -hmm. he will um he would go to the shows I think to try to not do anything wrong. Like he would yeah. go and he would watch and critique and finally like before every show that he would go to with me, he'd get in the ring and train with me. Like he you know got my punches a lot better. Like show like you were talking about snap bumps, um show me how to do that a lot better. Like a lot of stuff and mm -hmm. I I felt like I was picking up stuff and I was like, man, like th this is cool. Like, and yeah. he's, you know, and like I said, we just really bonded like right away. Cause we had so much in common and we just, for years and years, I'd say from yeah, 2005 until 2015 for like 10 years would go on road trips together. And, um, there'd be times where he, he was too far gone. And I mean, well, I'm mm -hmm. sure we'll yeah. get into that where I, yeah. Like, I would always tell them when you're too far gone, like, I don't want to be around. So right. Nothing against you. I just am not at all. Like, anyone that's known me, everyone in this room's known me for a long time. And I don't partake at all. And, you know, so I wouldn't see him for three or four months because he and then. want to binge, yeah. Yeah, then he, and then the binge would end. And mm -hmm. he, hey, man, I'm, I'm, I'm okay now. You want to go do some shows or whatever? You help me get booked. And I, and I would. And, and I would feel him out first. Like, you know, go out and have dinner with him or something, make sure. And, um, but, 
the key was I really felt like I was learning a lot from yeah. him. Like you were touching on, he mm-hmm. was, he was, he could, he, if he was straight, he could be a coach at the PC right yeah. now. He it was, was yeah. so many little nuances and stuff. When he took over training the girls, that's what Wednesday nights became, you know, ladies night at Bone Breakers. And it was awesome because it just, he, there were so many little things that I think the whole, my experience the whole time up to that point was I was trying to wrestle like a guy. Mm-hmm. Like I was trying to prove to everybody that I could You're be tough. a wrestler like, too, right? Yeah. But then when Axel took that part of it over, he taught so many little things. And I was like, oh, wow. I mean, mm-hmm. it was like the light bulb came on, you know, and, and he really just brought a lot of just little nuances and little details into it. Like you were saying, you know, like with working on your punches or things like mm-hmm. that, you know, it was just little things that kind of, we expect everybody to know how to do, but it was just so much of the little stuff. Yeah. And he, everyone knew him from ECW being like a hardcore mm-hmm. guy, but like he was so much more than that. His mind was, he, yeah, just, that, he got typecast with yeah, the barbed wire and the glass it, match. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, basically. But, yeah. and, and for all the, you know, um, obviously me and him had a lot of ups and downs mm-hmm. and, oh, yeah. and, and probably because of his addiction, a lot more downs, but I've never discounted the fact that I, you know, he, 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 uh, he's, he's one of the most talented guys in the history of the business. Like to go that far. Like I remember Raven calling him like the, the, the biggest waste of talent in the history of the mm-hmm. business. And some people, you know, may not uh, have heard of Axel Rotten if you're a fan, uh, you know, for a while. You, you probably have, um, but yeah, and I, and I remember saying, yeah, that's right, man, the biggest waste of talent, because he was unbelievably talented, mm-hmm. um, but you know, and, and so his names come up and we talk, we're not talking about anything he didn't say before he passed away about himself in documentaries and stuff, he became a freaking terrible drug addict, mm-hmm. um, and and really, really bad, you know, and, um, and fortunately, like, what I, I look back on is, you know, um, I was kind of the genesis of MCW. You guys are all like in a lot of ways proteges of me, mm-hmm. but like Axel, if it wasn't for Axel, I probably wouldn't have learned. I may not have started MCW because in the early 1990s, when he came back from Memphis and USWA, um, and at that time, God love him, Dwayne Gill, but Dwayne Gill was like a real carny guy, <laughs> um, at that time. And he had opened up a school. He took my money and I, I love Dwayne. I just talked oh, to him great. today. I know you're close with him. Mm-hmm. But he took my money and he was on the road doing jobs with WWE and he never showed up at the school. Ramblin' Rich would show up and open the school and I would sit there, me and Shane Shamrock and like three or four other young guys and there'd be two rings there and nobody was training. You know what I mean? And Dwayne wasn't there and it was always like, where's Dwayne at? Oh, he's out on the road. So it was really no structure. We're really sitting there staring at a wrestling ring and then at, around that time, Axel and Ian stumbled back in from Memphis. I like the way you put that stumbled. <laughs> yeah, he kind of like yeah. felt like, oh my God, because I was a big like reading the magazines and I had seen like, like oh, that's the bad breed from mm-hmm. USWA. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just starting to get like a little bit of the sheets and stuff. So, and I had been to many Maryland Indies. So I remember the British accent, oh, Axel yeah. Rotten. Yeah. And at that time, for the next four or five years, I got to know a straight edge Axel Rotten that had never taken a drink of alcohol, had never taken a drug. Um, and that's for, for years. I went on for, you know, 10 or 15 years trying to hope for that guy to come back once, because unfortunately once he in ECW was the party and he started getting up there and it's just, that was just the, the, the culture then. And he, you know, cocaine pills, um, eventually he ended up on heroin um 
but he he and then unfortunately you guys you know got to know him and he'd be in it you know we've all dealt with oh. addiction a lot of mm -hmm. us you know i've dealt my father died from addiction so it was something that's that's been like a black cloud over my life most of my life um but i would always hope for that guy because that guy that sober guy that was brilliant and he was an amazing person he was full of charisma mm -hmm. i i loved being around him he he was just the one of the most char naturally charismatic people and um brilliant in terms of wrestling and and, and if he hadn't have taken me under his wing at that time like who knows where I would have been because I didn't have anybody like looking out for me I didn't know anything I was just a kid at a wrestling school that nobody was showing up to train people at and him and Ian they used me and Shane Shamrock as dummies because mm -hmm. they were getting this opportunity with this company called ECW out of Philadelphia mm -hmm. and they wanted to try new tag team moves so they pulled me and beat me and Shane Shamrock up and used us as crash test dummies but we just kept stumbling back in the ring mm. and showing back up. And then they took a liking to us and they kind of, they, you know, that's how it happens in wrestling. He took yeah. me under his wing and then, you know, taught me a lot of stuff that I went on to, you know what I mean? Made me understand the business in a way. And, um, here we are, you know, but, um, he was, he was, you know, unfortunately he, he really got caught up in that. Um, and he just struggled with it, you know, and, and, you know, addiction is a disease it's also a disease of choice i understand that people choose to you know you know stay in it or not stay in it but he it's a shame because yeah. you're right not only just pc but i here it is you know we're freaking 20 years 21 22 years in mcw i would love to have him helping yeah. here coach oh at gosh, the mcw yeah. school the the value that he would have brought with his knowledge um i would have loved to have had him here and have him a part of it but a sober axle and that's yeah. the problem mm -hmm. through the latter years it was the sober axle was around much less than the, yeah. the messed up yeah. axle was and as the years and years went on it became less and less of the sober axle. yeah right. but that's the thing like i would tell him when you're like that <clears throat> i do not want to be around you and it got through to him because he would he wouldn't call me up there like there'd be two or three months i wouldn't hear from him because he'd, he'd be on his binge and I'm, I'm glad like at least with me he was like that because when he, hey man, I'm you know I'm I'm okay right now. Let's go to the movies. Let's go to a Motley Crue concert. Like we we did all that stuff and we had so much fun because he he likes to joke around. I like to joke around. And we we just we were goofy and it was just a yeah. good time. And at the same time, I was learning so much from him. And it, yeah, I miss him, man. I do like. Oh was, man, when he and he was sober in those times, like the times I remember that. I mean, I this is like pre cell phone days and stuff like that. And this is my dad drank a lot and. um me and and my dad had a separate phone number in his in his workroom that was like a separate phone number. Who knows why I ever needed to have private calls? Um, but like me and Axel would call on three way. This was when three way calling from the oh, home yeah. line was big, and me and we would prank my dad and like he was just funny man. Just like we used to have so much fun. Like he was he was um yeah he was he was fun and, and you know it was um in the green room days when I realized because much like you but i we went through some pretty bad stuff where he stole from me and stole money and stole my car one time he was living with me when i was going through a divorce so we went through some pretty big ups and downs where i would god man get away from me and then a year would go by and i wouldn't see him and i'd say don't show up at the shows man and then he would stumble in and i'll never forget him stumble in and and and, and having a better understanding now because i've been through addiction with several other people in my life um and educated myself a lot to it um 
and understanding how addiction works and you have to hit that rock bottom you have to hit that real rock bottom where you got nothing you have no access to funds or finances to finance your addiction i'll never forget um probably 2010 or 11 maybe at the green room and he had came back it had been like a year or so and he asked if he could come and just hang out in the back and give advice and i was real hesitant mm. because i had heard stories of him going to like catching rides with guys but then making him making him like pay young guys hey you got to not only you got to drive me but you got to pay me like 75 bucks <laughs> to be in the car with you on the show to Pennsylvania to give <laughs> you my knowledge and just stuff like that private uh, seminars yeah in the car right <laughs> yeah. so you you gotta drive me i don't have a car <laughs> so, and i'm booked on the show with you brilliant, in Allentown, you, Pennsylvania. you learn more in the but, car right. than anywhere so that's <laughs> that's a good idea but i'll never and i'll <laughs> say it i and i we had like this heartfelt moment in the back of the green room where like i was getting choked up and it was that that thin line between love and hate like i love you but i freaking hate you like you son of a bitch, you know what i mean and like come and i said I don't know why you just can't hit your rock bottom and get help. And he said to me, how can I, he goes, I'm never going to hit rock bottom because I am who I'm at, I am. And I'm always going to have this. And he showed me where he was begging for money on Twitter mm. and people were sending him like 50 bucks, wrestling mm -hmm. fans, 75 bucks. Wow. And it was kind of like, I'm never going to hit my rock. And he's like pointing at it. And he's like, look, because I he put a sob story up on Twitter and a mm -hmm. bunch of fans like sent him money. Here's And I was like, it like was a moment where I was like, oh, my God. Like if you're if you have that because you have that notoriety from the things you did in wrestling and now this thing called Twitter and social media. Mm -hmm. And if you can always go on and send a sob story and some fans that have an emotional connection to you will throw you 50 bucks, 75 bucks. You're right, because you're never going to be at a point where you're completely unable to feed your habit. Right. Right. And I remember that was that was a big moment. And then a couple years later when I saw and he had that GoFundMe and he put that documentary out and then like. You know, Chris Jericho donated 5, 000, like five thousand yeah. dollars, and he raised like another. You know, once Chris Jericho did that, and I think like Mick Foley threw a thousand bucks in, mm. maybe, and he got like ten or fifteen thousand dollars. And I remember thinking, to back to that conversation, was like, oh my god, this is like he's he's working again. And then a couple weeks later, he overdosed. Yeah, you know, and and died. And uh, you know, the understanding addiction now, like that was mm -hmm. when I, I remember that, like really hit me, like. Wow, you're not gonna. You're probably gonna die, because you're never gonna hit your rock bottom. Because you always have access to something. Not only did Axel always have access to that, but Jimmy, you know this, and I know this. Axel was a master of like, if you saw him at a show, like kind of wrangling you into his <laughs> circle of mm -hmm. like, you know, we're oh yeah, you stay with me. Come on, let's go go down this hallway with me. Oh yeah, just addictive gotta... personality. Right, yeah, yeah. right. So he, he always had. I remember um the That's last That's a charisma. Right. Mm -hmm. That charisma to just talk him in. Talk yeah. him into you, into yeah. your universe and um And he there was a ma it was magical it was ma about. Yeah. I know we invited him over on a Sunday to watch a pay-per-view. <laughs> and he came over every Sunday for months on end, <laughs> months. And then, you know, he was clean through most of it and then there was one Sunday where he passed out on the floor and I couldn't move him, and I was like, "Oh, this this is not happening." <laughs> like, yeah. we need like we had we had made a sandwich that we would make every Sunday. Like, I mean, he just had that. Like, I didn't really want him in my house, passed out on the floor, but he kept coming. <laughs> like, yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah. It was kind of hard to shake him. Yeah. <laughs> now, let me ask you this. You started traveling with him on the road and going to different indies. One of the other last uh, students at the Bone Breakers was uh, Adam Ugly, who mm-hmm. eventually became your partner. Did did Axel put you all together with that pretty ugly gimmick, or how'd that come about? Oh, it was actually Ruckus. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah, we were uh, EWA, like trying to get on EWA shows probably in 2005. And we didn't really have, either one of us, didn't have much of a gimmick, didn't really know who we were yet or anything. He goes, I'm going to put you guys together. You guys are best friends, been best friends for how many years and, and all that, and went to school together. He goes, so you guys have a connection outside of the business already. So I'm like, and I'm thinking, well, we don't really look alike. Like, you know, we're, you, you, you know, we, we look very different. And I'm like, well, we don't look like a tag team. I was, I was thinking in my head, but I'm like, okay, this is Ruckus. He's on top of the indies at the time, you know, big name on the indies, probably the top indie guy. At in that mid, time, yeah, in the mid-2000s. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, well, what are we going to do with this? So, like, you know, Adam and I in the car or at home or whatever would start coming up with ideas. Like, well, who are we going to be? Like, what's our tag team name going to be? What are we going to do? And, and his name was Adam Ugly. And I was like, well. What if I be pretty Jimmy and you be Adam Ugly and our tag team name can be pretty ugly? And we were and at first we didn't like it. And then this guy Tristan Spade ran a show in Delaware. I remember us kind of telling him about the idea. He's like, That's it, pretty ugly. Pretty Jimmy, Adam Ugly, pretty he's like, That's what you guys are doing. And still we didn't know like how to do it. Like I, I had long brown hair, kinda looked like a bad kid rock, you know, like long. You know, <laughs> that is, yeah. Right, yeah, that's a great and, way to describe yourself yeah, back then. And, and um I wearing like maybe like Hardy Boys looking outfits to the ring, yeah. you know, just not knowing who I am yet. And um so I remember we I went to a convention and Axel was there and I'm I saw uh the, when the beautiful people were like white hot on a TNA, like mm-hmm. they were like a big deal in there and they were at the convention and I took a picture with them. Uh it's on my Facebook somewhere that picture. And I remember going, What if I try to act like one of the beautiful people? Maybe I'll dye my hair blonde and try to act like them. That's pretty Jimmy. He's he thinks he's like this pretty person and he's really not. And but he's he's acting like he's one of the beautiful people. Yeah. I remember thinking so I dyed my hair blonde like that week and Adam I forget how man and I'm gonna ask him like he started with a toilet seat around his head because mm-hmm. he he just wanted to be like the scum of the earth like. And he started calling himself a new age nasty boy, and he just wanted to be like, like a, you know, look like a pitiful person. So he put a toilet seat around his head, and people started noticing it. We were, I mean, getting booked a lot once we put it all together. Did you guys both wear fishnet stockings, or, or one of you wore fishnets? <laughs> that was just right? me, yeah, to go with the pretty thing, like right. wearing fishnets, and I'm and the eyeliner, <laughs> yeah, eyeliner and hairspray, like you know. And... So I remember Axel at one point wore some fishnets as well, and that's why I thought. You oh, know, yeah, he came yeah. up with that. Yeah. Okay, wow. I, the, another thing, Axel, the, just talk about his genius. Um, if people go and if they know who he was or don't know who he was, is how he reinvented himself a lot. He, You know what I mean? Obviously, on a different level, you got guys like Undertaker and all that did it in state. Mm-hmm. But Axel continuously reinvented himself a lot, yeah. you know. Um, I think he just got really stuck in that with the glass, the Taipei glass matches and the, um, um, you know, the, the, uh, the, the barbed wire yeah, bat yeah, matches. Yeah. But he, he did change his image, you know, imagery a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, he was he was good at that. But again, he, he understood the business. That was his brilliance of understanding the business and evolving himself. Yeah. yeah. R.I.P. Brian Knighton. Uh, we all learned from him. Um, and, you know, a lot of the times it's the learns that you have along the journey from someone who then goes on like our beloved RJ that is the 
reason that we're here doing the cast today. So yeah, it's not to discredit him in any way. Yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. there's there's um, there's DNA of Axel Rotten absolutely. all through MCW, yep. absolutely, you know yeah, I mean? and all through MCW from the owner me, like right down to all you guys, the company itself. There's a you know, regardless of, of personal you know disagreements and squabbles that we had, Axel's DNA is really deep in MCW, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. without a doubt. Well, we're yeah. gonna we're gonna continue this yeah. conversation. I think we do need to take one more break. I want to start talking to you about you know the pretty ugly started to get rolling, and then some of your travels around the Indies after that. When we return from this little break. All right, MCW faithful, we are back here, episode 31 of the MCW cast. Before we went to break, Jimmy, I was mentioning, or James, I was mentioning that, um, you know, you, you got the pretty ugly thing up and running, and then you started traveling, you know, doing this on the road, and it was gaining a little steam. At one point, is it true that you found yourself in front of the CZW uh, contingent of deathmatch wrestling? Um, and also, I, I don't know where I was. I have a quite a legacy in CZW. I don't ever remember... Seeing you cross paths in the in the combat zone, tell us about that. Yeah, it was only a couple of times. I I did a tag match with uh, Drew Gulak, who's now with WWE um, at the Tournament of Death. I think it was two thousand six. So that was one year before I started, actually. So you, wow, you predate me in CZW. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. So I, I did that, and I think I did one or two more matches. It was it was a quick thing, and I remember thinking, well, like it, it was a cool promotion, especially back then, kind of innovative, different. I was like, eh, this deathmatch stuff isn't for me. I don't want to get thrown in one of these deathmatches. <laughs> I'm like a Memphis style. Even back then, I thought that way. You know, I'm, I'm, this ain't my cup of tea. But yeah, I went up there again with Ruckus, and he he would get me booked every now and then, and. I just, yeah, it was a couple times, nothing big, not a big run or anything. Yeah. Well, like I said, um, I don't remember, but I do know that CZW has, over the past, I'd say, year or two, started doing your matches as a flashback Friday. You know, like, they'll be like, hey, James Ellsworth, CZW, TOD. And I'm like, what? Uh, I didn't even, you know. Did you do Tournament of Death? Did you do that? No, it was, um, it was the Tournament of Death, but I wasn't in the tournament. It was like a non-tournament match. Yeah. <laughs> like, God, uh, Ryan McBride had a similar experience, right? Well, he, Greg, well, he Greg, was supposed well, to. They both supposed were supposed to, yeah, to be non-tournament. Greg Excellent, right. And then mm -hmm. someone, you know, couldn't make yeah. it, and then they got turned into a, right. uh, um, a TOD match. And you know what? I'll tell you this much. Um, you got while the getting is good because there are not too many people who – spend a, a considerable amount of time in CZW that do not at some point or other find themselves in the barbed wire, the glass, the thumbtacks. It's almost yeah. like a rite of passage that the CZW faithful is not going to accept you 100% until right. they see you bleed. Yeah, and I was hearing those whispers, and I'm, I, I respect anybody that does that. Like, man, it takes a lot of guts to do that, and I was like, eh, it's not for me. I'll, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll find, you know, something else to do. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess that's why you only lasted a cup of coffee, and good yeah. on you for that, because we've seen the way that that story can end when certain people get a little bit of taste of that rush, and then they're hooked. They become right. deathmatch wrestlers from just one experience of being put through the barbed wire or the glass, so I'm glad you, you stayed on the career trajectory that you did, which ultimately found you in WWE in an internationally, globally recognized star. Yeah. Right. So after after the time in CZW, you were still working some other indies and mm -hmm. stuff, correct? Um, at what point did you decide to form your own promotion? And that was ACW. I was uh, 2009. It was actually mm -hmm. a guy named Chris that started it, and he, yeah, he you sold, you bought it from him. Yeah, a couple of years later. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and he just kind of Chris hired, Evans. Yeah. Shout out to Chris. <laughs> yeah, he always used to try to get me to be his announcer. He would come to you, to our shows, and he <clears> he'd, <throat> he'd always say, "Larry, I got a show for you. It's coming up." 
I need you to be the announcer. And I'd be like, okay, man, just let me know. You know, I'm in New York. Yeah, and he you know? really kind of started it to, I guess, compete with us or whatever because he wasn't doing – we wouldn't use him on shows. So he would always he come to the show yeah. and kind of like – Well, listen, he's a nice guy. He's a rapper. Yeah, but he wasn't good in the ring. I mean, I'm sorry. He wasn't. And he didn't really have – look, this is just wrestling promoter. He was a nice guy, but I – you know, he's not a guy I would have ever put on any MCW shows. It's it's not easy. It's not for everybody. Yeah, and there's no, not a lot know. of guys that try, but, try, but 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 I'll always give props to anybody that tried to attempted to do or did promoting of wrestling, because being a wrestling promoter is, is thankless. It's you know, um, it's it's really hard, um, and y- you. You couldn't make you couldn't make money disappear faster by dumping dousing it in gasoline and lighting it on fire. So like you can lose tons of money um, and the stress is unreal. So I always give props. I'll say that. But anybody that tried it and then did it a couple times, you know, or more than once, um, even if you only did it once, I give them I do give them that respect for doing it. But, yeah, that's kind of. You know how I guess all that, and then through those years, we weren't really talking anyway. And I don't know, bad blooded, you know, or not even. I wouldn't even say bad blood. It wasn't like there was hate. We just didn't care for one another. Right. I mean, well, you were doing. You did some shows with MCW before this, right? Yeah. Before I my my youngest son was watching Rage TV, and he's like, "Mom, you're in the ring with James Ellsworth," and I'm like, "I don't even remember this, but it was RBC. RBC we were the, stuff, with the Rehoboth yeah. Beach oh, crew, and right. there were like twelve people in this faction by this point. But you were one of them, so that had to have been before 2009. But you were you were pretty yeah. difficult. You just kind of you were you kind of had, and we me and you have had this discussion back then. Like you kind of had a crappy attitude and like oh, a chip yeah. on your shoulder, and mm-hmm. um. You know, like even at that time, just because, you know, and maybe you that was before you were a promoter. So like after especially 20 years, but even after a couple years doing this stuff and, and that era was after we had done MCW for a couple years, close it down and come back. Mm-hmm. You, I get you get really desensitized and cold as a wrestling promoter. where like, I don't want to deal with drama. I don't want to deal with crap. I just it's like so much going on. You're being pulled in so many different directions. You're full of adrenaline because, you know, the, the shows do give you an adrenaline rush, much like being in the ring used to. And you just don't want to deal with crap. So, like, for whatever reason, I guess at that time period, probably you like just rubbed me wrong. Right. You know what I mean? Because of your attitude and it maybe created like a little um, animosity or not even animosity because not just we just we were oil and water. Right. We would run into each other like maybe outside the Baltimore arena of WWE were having a show. We were yeah. never like nasty to each yeah. other. But like I said earlier, I got into business at a very young age. I was 17. So I grew up in my adult years in the wrestling business. It's not a very mature way to grow up. Like, I would tell people, don't get in when you're 17, 18, 19, maybe 22, 23, well, you know? But maybe even during that time, maybe it's different now because the culture has changed a lot. But you were still, that that time back in the 2000s was still the tail end of the rock and roll. I mean, look, when I was in in the early 90s, and you that when you hear about, like, now, like, all these guys that died in their 40s, it really was locker rooms. There was a lot of drugs. 
a lot of cocaine. I was going up as a young guy in ECW. And like I said, it, it Axel went from a guy that was straight edge, never drank, never touched a drug to being a full blown drug addict. There was all kinds of drugs in those locker rooms and after those shows. And, um, it really was that era. It wasn't specific to ECW. Mm. So like during that era in general, like, you know what I mean? It was, it was pretty crazy and definitely not something in an environment maybe that a 17 or 18 year old kid should be in you know yeah, what i mean like and you were on the tail end and that and the industry's changed a lot yeah since then you yeah. know it's 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 for the better absolutely i'd say you know? yeah yeah i remember the last mcw show i did back then because i was uh you know, like the, the rbc i love that i was like the outcast of the group yeah and that was fun. Like I was having fun that with was that. A good group. And I like I know I think um Dean Tyler Hilton, I think he was moving to Florida, so it, it kinda like debunked and they you guys didn't have anything for me. And I, I kinda like, you know, probably came up to you like, Hey, what's next for me? And you're like, Oh you know, and yeah. that, that's probably what rubbed me the wrong way, like, Oh, he has nothing for me, I've been here. Were, were you hanging out with <laughs> Axel at that time? Yeah. Too? And so I, that could have been it too, because me and Axel were very hot and cold and I remember like he was your your boy and that that could have played in it too too, because I'm sure Axel made me paid, painted the picture as most addicts oh, do. Yeah. Like I was the bad guy, you know what I mean? I'm sure. But that's, that's, that comes with addiction. Not, not, you know, mm-hmm. when people are going through and anybody that's listened to this, that's dealt with addicts that are close to them. They never, until they reach a point where they're ready to face their demons and ready to accept responsibility and be accountable. Everything that happens to them is everyone else's fault. And um, so I'm sure there was probably that because oh, you had yeah. gotten close to Axel and he probably painted the picture because we'd be hot and cold. I'd have him doing commentary, this and that. Then all of a sudden I'd catch him in the back stealing something, a laptop out of someone's bag mm-hmm. and going, what are you doing, Axel? And he's going, oh, I'm getting my laptop. Dude, that's not your bag. You know what I mean? You're taking that laptop. I know that, you know, bag belongs to Stevie Richards or whatever. And like, oh, yeah, this isn't my bag. (laughs) Like that kind of stuff. Like, Axel, go. Oh, that's right. But but you know what I'm saying? Like, he stole my car in the middle of the night, went to a McDonald's, wrecked outside of McDonald's. No pun intended, broke the axle on the car, drives a car back in the driveway that's hardly drivable and gives me. Uh, egg McMuffin. You remember this? We had yeah. a show that night. Disney I was there. An egg McMuffin. Yeah. And to top it all off, I don't know why I reached in the bag and pulled the Egg McMuffin out when he's sitting there completely trashed, lit up on. You know what I mean? I'm looking at the car in my driveway where it's just. And I, and I, I don't know why, like, I didn't just throw the bag, but for whatever reason, I reached in and it was a half eaten Egg McMuffin. <laughs> So like I was it, like that was the icing on the cake. Like it's not real... only did you steal my car and wreck it, <laughs> you know what I mean, and and try to bring it back. And he's trying to say, he's trying to blame it on the people at McDonald's because what happened was I I think he passed out at the wheel and jumped the curb. You know what I mean, and rode my car dude, dude, over the curb. Yeah, the boom, right, boom, right. you know. But he's blaming it on that, and then saying like I need to get the steering fixed. You know, <laughs> trying to blame it on that, and then he and I'm like, dude. But that just stuck out. I'm like, you ate half of this Egg McMuffin. <laughs> you know what? He had a like, good heart. A, a drug addict with a good heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 He wanted to feed you, you know? Yeah, like, I don't, that was, that was, uh, I think that was the highlight. Not just the Egg McMuffin, but the half-eaten Egg McMuffin. But yeah, that so. probably played into it, like, you know, because I was Axel's buddy, and you would, you would have conversations with me, like, watch out, he'll, he'll steal from he's gonna you. Burn he's gonna you, lie, yeah. he's gonna lie. It's, it was a combination of things. I wasn't really getting booked. My storyline was gone, because, you know, yeah. Tyler Hill was gone, like, you're like burying Axel to me, like 
as it's my buddy, you know. Right. And you were just really trying to warn yeah, me. I was really just shooting. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, well, this is what, he, unfortunately, this is the demon that he's possessed by. Right, and you then, know, um, unfortunately. The, the yeah. evil in the business. Yeah. And then, you know, back then, again, I was probably 135, 140 pounds, and I'm like, asking, what am I doing here? And you like, well, tell me, well, what am I going to do? You're you're small, you're, you're not this, you're not that. And you're like, and I, that's when I was like, all right, well, I'm out. Like, yeah. you know, and, and you weren't saying anything wrong. It's just that I took it as like, well, screw this guy. That, right? he's, yeah. he's bashing my my buddy. He's telling yeah. me he doesn't have anything for me. But you're like, well, keep showing up. I'll find something for you. Something will come along. Like, you know, I didn't have a gimmick. I was before pretty ugly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I so looking back, I'm like, well, what did, you know, what really did I have the offer at the time? Like, there was nothing. I had no gimmick. I'm not a big guy. There, right. there was nothing going on. But the RBC thing was perfect because they were all a bunch of, like, tan beach mm-hmm. guys. And I'm trying to be in their group. I'm trying to be their buddy. But I was That like, fit, yeah. though, and all that we were doing. Yeah. That was kind of before its time, too. Yeah. Because uh-huh. we were doing, like, a YouTube show long before, mm-hmm. like, people were doing that stuff. Yeah. Like, RBC as itself was probably 10 years too early. Yeah. Yep. It was so much fun. I loved yeah. it. Yeah, the, yeah. The, the music. I yeah. remember the music. I listen to the music oh all the time. <laughs> I think of you guys car, coming out. Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 So, yeah, it was. yeah. So once he left, I was like, man. What so there's not. So it's just, it's always accommodation things. There's never like one thing that amounts to someone leaving a promotion. And then it, later on in life, I learned as a wrestling promoter. So 90% of the wrestlers in the area are not going to like you because right. you can't book them. It's, you know? a hard, it's a hard lesson to learn. And yeah. then 90% of the guys you are booking, they don't like you either because you're not using them the way you, they think <laughs> they you think should, you should be, be using yeah, them. They're not, yeah. So the only really 10% of the guys, the guys you are pushing and putting in spots with names or doing whatever, those are the guys that are going to like you. Like, yeah, he's taking care of it. But it, it's, it's a thankless And job. the ring announcer. The yeah. ring announcer typically gets along famously yeah. with the promoter because, <laughs> you know, I got to tell them everything you need me to tell them and help move the drama along. So Very right. important yeah, job. Yeah, we're, we're part of that 10% with maybe some of the refs. Right. You know? All important jobs. Absolutely. So all this and, and everything that you go through, and I would be remiss not to, to bring up, you run into a bump in the road a couple of years ago after WWE, mm-hmm. something we should probably talk about and discuss um, briefly, you know, online, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, and um, it kind of derailed like it was, you know, a, a cancel culture, you right. know, I yeah. guess moment where you get accused of something and, um, you know, it. Like you were like hot, like on the indies and everything, mm-hmm. and it kind of really. Yeah, I saw you, you down in New Orleans. New yeah. Orleans, you fought Riddle. That uh, one, ma- yeah. that was like one of the highlights of my yeah. career. Just to have you in the ring with me down there for the GCW uh, Janela Spring, Spring Break, break yeah. you know. And you were hot that night. The crowd was so lit up. You were match two, mm-hmm. whichever. If you don't know, match two is a hard match because you know they finally got the first match. Everyone's been waiting around, and then it's like, okay, we're coming down. Two better deliver two, and that was that the was perfect match. Probably my favorite indie match ever. It was great. I remember they were like trying to use me as the cookie cutter James Ellsworth baby face. And I'm like, no, that like this particular audience is going to hate me. Like they love Riddle. Uh-huh. So like I talked them into letting me attack him the night before. He had wrestled in the same building the night before. So like I, I attacked him and we're like, who are you? I'm James Ellsworth. You ain't nobody. You know, yeah. like that whole thing. And then the crowd's like, oh, we want to see Riddle kill him. And they, they were just on me. They uh, were rabid so that fun. night. It was like one of those feelings where you can feel the building rumbling as he's coming out, not just because they hate you, but also they know Riddle's about to come out and, and kick your butt. Um, so it was a, it was a, it was a great 
great feeling for me, a milestone for me to be in that ring with you all the way down in New Orleans back in 2017, I guess it was, maybe? 2018? 20, that was 2018. Right? Okay. And then a couple months later, I went back to WWE for a short stint. But getting back to what Dan was saying, yeah, like, I, I went. I personally have never unwanted to anyone, ever. So it's it's we live in a different era. We've been talking about eras this whole time. We're just in that era. If someone says something, there's people that are going to believe it that don't believe it. But at the end of the day, like it's you know if you go through that and nothing happens to you, if there's hated and untrue. That's what I want. You know, I mean, and granted, this is different. Or compare it to wrestling. Enzo was accused, but he was on the cover of TMZ as a. It's, yeah, and then it comes out that the girl totally lied. But people see that headline and it says. And they when never we, go out of listen, their way. When we had Enzo on our shows, I had inboxes about that. And the people at the Hollywood Volunteer Fire Department reached out to me and said, hey, did, because someone contacted them and said, did this guy somebody? And I was, he was like, somebody called. And I, I had to go, no. And I had to send them the articles. Me and Dennis did. Sent him the articles of like, no, this the girl lied. Mm -hmm. Like, and it came out a couple weeks, but he got plastered as a liar. Or as, and there's, you know, unfortunately, like you you get labeled, and you know these things happen, and it it the mob has careers. spoken. The mob and look WWE and who knows? I mean, I know Enzo had a reputation. I can all I can only talk about people the way how they treated me and like Enzo was phenomenal at the time. Me, like yeah. I thought yeah, he, was he was great. great. He you know, was. he was great he was with great. kids. He went out of his way mm. with the kids. Yeah. Wanted to go talk any like the younger audience. Um, there was like someone in a wheelchair, I think down in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. And he like specifically wanted to go meet. I mean, mm -hmm. like went out of his way. So I was like, this is a guy that they say had all this heat. You know what I mean? That like no one liked. And I, I mean, I don't know. I wasn't in the WWE locker room, but I just thought he was a, a he, great guy. But here's a guy that like he got fired. He lost a contract because he was unfairly and what came to be a complete lie, you know, was accused of, of, of you know what I mean, of something. But it, it stuck. And then mo it's like what they say um, about any headline when they talk about retractions, you know, people have to do retractions. It's I read something years ago. It's like. Only it's like a small percentage of like thirty percent of people only see the retractions. Uh, yeah. Oh like yeah, like a story gets a headline. So unfortunately, something that sticks gets, with people, you know, and that's just the know. way that they write it off. And and so for me as a promoter, bringing you into resurrection after years, you know, that would be my reasoning. Is like I I don't I I don't and and feel that you were an endangered or you know that that if I felt that you were up. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? That I wouldn't have brought you in. Um, and I just, you know, me personally, I, I, I just, I, I don't know. I, I'm a big believer in due process and people, you know, um, things like that unfairly happening. You know? hey, trust me, I feel bad for anyone that's been put in the position they didn't want to be in, an uncomfortable position. And, like, I hope people that do get put in those positions get the justice they deserve. But it's, you know, like, I have two daughters. So they're nine and six right now. When they get older, if somebody, I'm gonna tell them, if somebody puts you in an uncomfortable position, you come to me, you go to a friend, you go to police right away. Get in front of it and take care of it. Don't like go on Twitter and then you, you know, people. <laughs> now you, gotta, when it happened, you like you got an. Do you? You went to an attorney and got an, a statement from an attorney and right. posted it on social media. Did you? Do you feel that? 
did you feel that that was the right decision at the time, no, like thinking just, back? or No, because I'm, I'm in the car with Dwayne. We're going to a show, and, and, and then a lot of other stuff comes out. They're like, oh, he got kicked out Be, of that locker room. So, I, no, right. I didn't. So, <laughs> I so, didn't I, so yeah. listen, so because that, like looking back, because and because I reached out to you yeah. um, after that happened, and um, I remember there's things, there's a couple things I remember people kind of being vocal about on social media, and like one was like, well, he got an attorney, so he must be Well, guilty. yeah, I was in the car with Dwayne on the way to a show, and, he, and he's like, Oh, you got to call my attorney right now. He'll take care of it. So as it's happening, I'm hearing this, Doug Gilbert. I'm like, all right, whatever. You know, like you're in the moment and he's just saying it. He just call this guy. He's going to take care of the whole thing. And that's what you're hearing. You're like, oh, this will all be gone in a couple hours if I just call this guy. So looking back, like, nah, man. You, you probably wouldn't have done that no, if it happened again. People, it makes you look more like, you know, you did something. But and you, you to know. side with you, like people also have to understand, like, and this is the side of you that I understand because like. Your finances ended right there. I mean, you're rolling around. You're making a couple thousand dollars a weekend. Oh, Let's yeah. be honest. You're making oh, a couple yeah. thousand. You're right off WWE TV. You're mm-hmm. making a couple thousand dollars a weekend. You're taking care of your family, supporting it, and all of a sudden it's cut off. Boom. People can relate maybe to COVID if your job was. You know, if you had a nice, a lot of people when COVID, when things all just shut down, all of a sudden we're out of work and not knowing if they could get unemployment. So maybe you can relate it to in that sense. Imagine being that you're going along, you're taking care mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, literally because of that. And this thing goes viral on social media and gets out there and your income. So I can yeah. kind of understand from that point, you're like, holy crap, man. Like right. I got to like, feed my do? family. Like, yeah. And then people are just scared, especially at first they're scared. You what's going on? Are you, you're being investigated. I've never been investigated for anything in my life. Like I'm like, yeah, no, there was like, never an investigation. No, the police it, were that you saw all these things out there. There was never any police involved. No, there was nothing. It, just, it was just an accusation mm, on Twitter. Right. And it's fabric. And it, it, nothing came up for a reason, but it wasn't true. Was it, was it Twitter or Snapchat that these allegations surfaced? I think the girl was on Twitter or something, well, right? Well, she yeah, put the allegations on Twitter. But, yeah, it's – and then, like you were saying, you then other people start chiming. Oh, well, in 2005, he, you know, he did this to me or what? Yeah, it's just – Well, that's what I said, too. Um, I would see that. I would see, I would see people say, oh, well, you know, Jimmy, he hit on my girlfriend. So it has to be true. And I'd think, like – and, again, me and you, we didn't care for each other at the time. Right. So I had every reason to jump on the dog pile, mm. you know, and go, yeah. And like, but I'm like, that's a stupid conflation. Like, oh, because he hit on my girlfriend, he must be a. Something. You know what I mean? Like, that's pretty. Well, Jimmy, I mean, I think you, you know? hit the nail on the head when you said uh, in regards to your daughters right now that are six and nine, that when they do get of the age that they can address and, and kind of like, you know, face these things head on. Social media is not the place no, to go. You, no, if, if you're getting put in a position you don't want to be in, you have to take care of it right away with the authorities. Right. Go to your parents, go to a friend. Like, you have to, or it's going to continue to happen, or you're going to go on social media and it's going to become worse. Yes. People are going to call you a liar, or people are going to be on your side. And, but yeah, it, it's so you got to do it the correct way. And that's what I'm going to try to teach them. You know, it, you can't do it's, that. It's hard. Uh, and I'll say this from a woman's perspective. Um, not being taken seriously when you do try to do things mm-hmm. the right way or when you do go to law enforcement or, you know, if you're in a position where someone has done something to you and, you know, the first question is, what were you wearing? So historically, women are put in a defensive mode. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's it's 
they're used to not being believed. But I think that's, do you no. think that's gotten any better? Yeah. You don't, no, you don't think I so? don't As actually. A woman, really? I do not. Huh. No. Seriously? Well, if anyone would know, not. you would. I mean, you know, you are not. a woman <laughs> and you're around the table with I three men. So. Yeah, I think there may be certain circumstances where maybe their voices are actually heard, but I think overall, it is still very much that, well, what did you do to encourage that? What did you say? What did you wear? What did you do? What did, did you encourage well, them? You know, if we're talking about allegations like that, right. and I don't think that has changed at all. And I think that that may be a factor of why a woman might go to social media where there is a rapt audience that might just go receive that information that they're putting out there without mm. the personal attacks of, you know, oh, you must have done something to cause this or what did you do? What well, did you no, say? Well, you get that too, though. It's 50-50 mm -hmm. when you Yeah, how, how do, so how do, how do you, how do we get past, because I'm sure obviously you're on the side of a case like Enzo, perfect example that was, you know, like, where is the, ha you know what I mean? Where is the happy medium that that stuff doesn't happen and like the the false accusations right we need girls we like ruin... that to stop and not yeah. say stuff for right. first of yeah. all you know right. she didn't help the cause at no. all you yeah. know because then when it is a factual case then they're not taken seriously or they have to prove themselves so you know um yeah so well we are really that, rolling in the deep this episode episode mm -hmm. 31 really but didn't... it's a conversation i think that needed to happen mm -hmm. like i wanted to have it and um you know, I, I you should want to have. You know what I mean? We've had this. Yeah, yeah, we've had this discussion. I think it's it's a good discussion, and it's it's really topical. I mean, I can totally empathize with it, Jimmy, because you know, um, uh, for or Dan, if you didn't know, Tara didn't know, uh, James, you book me uh, mm -hmm. a lot of the times when you're doing a ACW show that has you know Teddy Long, The Godfather, just to give it that that's I hate to say it, but star power in Maryland. You'll bring me in, and I remember after the allegations. I did a show and I put a picture out of you, me, blackout, all mm. in the back. It was that DC show or Hagerstown. I don't remember where it was. And my Twitter followers, and me, not that I look all the time, but <laughs> I started noticing like, D -d 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 -d, and I'm like, what the heck happened? And I came to find out that people who I considered friends of mine were saying, oh, he would take a picture with him. That means that he supports. Right, you know, yeah. And, and but you I, guys have known me for twenty years. That's the difference. Those people don't know me. Like it's you've been around me for twenty years, so you, you know, get a sense of who I am way more than they would. Or you know, that's, but, but and people weird stuff. I tell you. Um. So after <laughs> this is one that I like shake my head at. Um. After you appeared on the show, there was a couple tweets that were like people in the wrestling business. Um. And one of the tweets was like, I can't believe MCW or Dan McDevitt, whatever, like. I can't believe you booked him and hit it and didn't tell anyone in your locker room. Like, didn't. And I was like, I've promoted 350 shows in 25 years in wrestling. I've never cleared who I'm booking on a show with my locker room ever. Not once. And I don't know a single promoter that did. So like the, the statement sounds so ridiculous that why would I do that? Like, I don't, I book people. I book different people on matches. I don't, I don't ask people that I'm booking permission or say, Hey, just, I mean, and I've never had anyone getting booked with me, working out money and say, okay, now can you disclose to me who else is on the show? You know what I'm saying? Just like, so Pete, what I'm saying is people in this situation say that, you know, they say the weirdest stuff that doesn't really make any sense or they, it's almost like, I mean, prime I, example, how many times have you booked Jerry Lawler and Jerry Lawler was in a huge case down in Memphis. Yeah.
uh, th- 13. I don't remember how old the, the girl was, you know, but I don't, I don't ever remember anyone, you no know, kind of yeah. be like, Dan, you're booking, are you booking Jerry Lawler? You know? Right, so never. It's, yeah. It's, well, they, it's again, like, or that, did you let people know, Hey guys, I just want to let you know I'm bringing Lawler in. Just yeah. Like, you know, like. Yeah, it's it's just it's weird, but it, it's like that's the one part about wrestling and people like, oh, you know, um, if they don't like you, they they want to find anything to weaponize to justify they're not liking you. you when it could be just like I said, there's a lot of local guys at the time when you were getting in that that little that, that pill that you were coming up that we were talking after that week on Braun Strowman. And I'd hear it. I'd hear the local guys and see the buzz of like, oh, that guy freaking, I can't believe, you know what I mean? It's like they just, they didn't like the fact that you were getting an opportunity that they would kill for, mm-hmm. you know? And because um, you were right place, right time. And um, yeah, it just, it's, that's the one thing about wrestling is people um, will just jump on the dog pile on stuff and attack someone, not really have the facts or know what happened, you know what I mean? And just, and unfor- it's unfortunate. You know, not just in wrestling, but in general, that people can have livelihoods taken away, and you know. Well, like very fortunate for me, I I'm blessed with thick skin. I don't let it bother me, and I did have that training we talked about. Like it was different yeah. back in the, when I started in the early 2000s, and you you learn to have that thick skin. So I don't I don't let it bother me a bit, and I just keep it going, and I keep it positive. And I've been blessed to do everything I've done. Like I've I mean I've done stuff that I never would imagine in a million years I could have done, and so, like, accomplishing all that going forward, like, everything to me is just, like, extra credit. Like, because I really did a lot of cool stuff and was blessed to. So, I, I just, I, I don't pay attention to any negativity and just try to keep it positive. I do the, I wrestle still and I do shows and I run shows still because I, I love it still. I love to perform. It's my favorite thing in the world to do, like, other than hang out with my kids. And, right. um, yeah, so I just, you, you got to just keep moving forward. I don't pay any attention to any of it. Keep moving right. forward, and we're gonna move forward to our last break. <laughs> I wanted to do it. You, you, we were I'm on the same age. It. I had I'm a segue. It. But right. no, oh, you can take no, it. No, you go. You segue. go, ladies. First. All right, we're moving to our last and final break. We'll be right back with James Ellsworth and the cast. Stay with us. And we are back here live in the studio with our guest, James Ellsworth. Uh, pretty interesting conversation, I'd have to say, for this yeah. this edition of the cast. Uh, we really appreciate you coming in here, and also uh, with you know before we went to break, we really talked about the brass tacks of a lot of situations uh, that arose from MCW Resurrection, and I think that uh, that's a, a credit to you know starting these open levels of dialogue. Things don't have to be on Twitter uh, where there's really just one discourse and then you can shut yourself off, but we can actually get around the table and talk about these things and add, mm. you know, the perspective of a promoter, of a, a, a woman, uh, you know, a black ring announcer, you know? So it, it's, it's very important critical talking that we're doing here. So um, yeah, just patting ourselves on the back for episode 31, you know? Yeah. I thought it was a good episode. I thought we talked about a lot. We covered a lot. Yes, a indeed lot we that, did. All I'm, the stuff. I'm sure people will find interesting. Yeah. Well, we've been getting rave reviews. I just heard from Bernie Deal that yeah. the episodes are just getting better and better. <laughs> so thank you, Bernie. Bernie might be our number one fan. I think he might just be. <laughs> <laughs> he always has such insightful comments. We do appreciate that. I imagine if this were like, Back in the days of call-in radio show, Bernie would be our regular call. Oh, I'm sure, one hundred percent. Yeah, definitely. Honestly, having started in wrestling in radio, that was my favorite part was the fa- was the, the regulars, the regulars uh-huh. you know. So, and then 
meeting them years later was through here was actually really interesting. Like, you know, I would get, oh, I was in high school and I used to listen to you on the radio. And you know. I was one of the extremists. <laughs> I was one of the alliance. See, that's, what always, that's what's always been neat about like the people that attend independent wrestling. To me, they're the most passionate, serious wrestling oh, fans, yeah. as mm-hmm. opposed to the casual ones that just watch. I mean, the people that go to the wrestling shows, that go to the independent wrestling shows, are the same ones that seek out, you know, that seek out the radio shows, mm-hmm. the wrestling talk radio shows, and the wrestling appearances and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I, they're so much because that was me, and I feel, you know, a much better, closer connection to then to this, the, the people that are just that flip it on on Monday nights mm-hmm. and maybe go to the arena if WWE's there once a year. But that's it. Like yeah. those fans, you find those fans that, that watch, listen to those radio shows are the same ones that are at the indie shows. Mm-hmm. They're probably at your shows and my shows. Well, they're interacting and yeah. engaging. You know, yeah. when they're going to a WWE show, they are spectators and they are the, you know, they may be jumping up and cheering, but they're the passive part of the equation. You know, like that when they're here, they're interacting with us. They're, we know their kids' names. We get invited to their kids' birthday parties, their weddings. You've probably officiated some, you know. So there's a different level and uh, of interaction that makes indie wrestling really unique in that we are, we are approachable, but also still kind of outside that realm. Do you know what I mean? I, I definitely yeah, know what you it's mean. It's just yeah. different. It, it's a, we have a way, special. There's a, there, we are, Way more approachable and touchable, if that makes any, any Literally sense. Literally touchable. We can really be up in your face. And if it's someone on the level of a James Ellsworth for Raw, the closest we can get to you is uh, as the cars are leaving out of the arena yeah. when you're standing <laughs> and screaming yeah. like, yes, you know, that was the closest you can get to like a, you know, Justin Roberts or, or, or one of those announcers. Nope. You get to see me walking around, milling about with the doctor and and Brett fam, Brett O, you know, after the show. So that's something that is not, is second to none mm-hmm. um, and that um, I really relish and is why I've been around this game for about 19 years going on 20 now. And it, you know what? It does amaze me that not as many people have discovered that because when I've had I get friends for high school that have kids and geez some of them even grandkids now wow that they've come and they'll come to my shows and they've been like the casual fans and I always get the same response I just had a you know 10 probably that came and they had kids that are wrestling fans and they come and they're like oh my god this is so much better than (laughs) WWE because it's so close like we talked to wrestlers we took pictures with them and it was so it wasn't like you're far away there's it was you know what I mean and my kids are like going crazy about it I'm like yeah it just is any casual fans that have ever come are like blown away and like this is the greatest so it's always been weird why i guess it's it's just I, we've spent 25 years you just try to draw them in mm-hmm. little by little one by one you know, and that's how we fan, once we've drawn them in, in then they they usually become they regular are fans. lifelong fans you that's know right. yeah and i always say wrestling fans in person are great like internet aside like in person they are they're right so on fun. twitter awful yeah like but, but in person <laughs> if like i meet a fan at like target or danny yeah, or yeah. they come up and they're so respectful and so nice so appreciative of the entertainment that you provided them like they're just awesome in person most <laughs> yeah, yeah. Until they try to hug you in person. (laughs) I'm not a stranger hugger. So, um, yeah, I'm (laughs) I'm not a fan of that. Sorry. Um, (laughs) I enjoy it. I I, I don't. I I think, you know, there may be 
Although, you know, when we had our show on the 24th, it was great to see everybody. And it was, you know, there was a lot of hugging and that was okay. But if I'm out and about in a store, please don't hug me. Everybody (laughs) listening to this show on (laughs) September 17th. You have a free invitation to hug Larry. He just gave it to you. <laughs> yeah. So I want everybody just needs to hug Larry. Uh, come on up. Or should I say, come on down? All right. In all seriousness, though, on September 17th, that is our next show, and there will be a lot of hugging that night in the building, oh, and yeah. it will be therapy and it will be a- around friends and family and loved ones and the reason for that is of course that it is the um, Bruiser Strong Memorial show so um, we'll be seeing some blasts from the past I'm sure in the Battle Royal and to crown the new champion and um, this will be a great Yeah if you want updates we're giving them um, the mcwprowrestling.com mm-hmm. or you know, as, you know most people just go to social media Facebook um, Twitter, MCW Pro Wrestling, or YouTube. We can't forget about YouTube. We put a lot mm-hmm. of content out, not just the MCW cast, but Flashback Friday matches. Yep, and there are plenty of Flashback Friday matches. If you're a new fan and you are want, want to know like the history of the Bruiser and the history of MCW in general, um, then absolutely please check us out there. And, and the breakthrough shows are continuing yeah, monthly. Mm-hmm. You know, we're gonna the, the fans really like the breakthrough content, so we're continuing to put out um, monthly shows that will be, you know, 60 to 90 minutes to kind of keep you following along the storylines. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And Jimmy, uh, James, you want to give your promotion a plug for social media if they want to check that out too? Well, since you asked, it's uh, Adrenaline Championship Wrestling, AdrenalineWrestling.com. We're, we're more like on the other side of Maryland now, like the Hagerstown area. Yeah. This area that like no one's at right now. So we're just doing that sort of thing. Okay. But you can go there, so Adrenaline yeah. Championship Wrestling yeah. on yeah, Facebook. What's the Twitter? Twitter is, you You, you run the Twitter. Yeah, you, you that's right. I do. I have <laughs> the admin <laughs> of the ACW Twitter. Uh, I'll plug it in just a second. Didn't you have want to talk about Hideaway? Hide- yeah, so if you'd like to get tickets to our next live event on September 17th or any of our upcoming live events, we do have a packed fall schedule that we'll be releasing. You can go to Hideaway Collectibles right on Hollibird Avenue in lovely Dundalk, right down the street from Jimmy's Famous Seafood. Have lunch, grab your tickets to the next event. Uh, you can also go to HideawayCollectibles.com. If you are looking for hard-to-find collectibles, uh, Thursday nights they do their Funko show every Thursday. I haven't yet done that. I've got a kid that collects Funkos. I'm afraid to tell him about it because I feel like I'm going to be in for some money here. Um, but not only can you get collectibles, they are also having lots of in-store meet and greets. Just recently, this past weekend, Victoria and Jake the Snake were there. So follow them. Give them a follow. They're on social media. Uh, check out their website, hideawaycollectibles.com, and you can get tickets and lots of cool stuff. That's right. And Adrenaline Championship Wrestling's handle on Twitter is ACW underscore pro. Again, that's ACW underscore pro. A little known fact, I guess I'm this the the, the Cliff Clavin of the cast. Um, ACW actually closed out Michael's 8th Avenue for, I guess, now as, as yeah. you know. Oh, okay. That we really was promotion. one thing during, I think, all of us felt impacted by. I really, the day that, that Michael's 8th Avenue announced that they were closing up, it was kind of like a punch to the If stomach. it wouldn't have been in the middle of a pandemic, Dan, would you have said, let's have one last show there? Oh, Absolutely. hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But that's that what I'm saying, Jimmy. Like it's venue yeah. around the area. But that's that's what I'm saying. You I, and it was much like I was at that when that happened. I was kind of like, this sucks because I would have loved to. Right. 
Oh, we have God. One yeah. more show. But the, yeah. the reason that I, I hit that is because, you know, we used to carry the MCW ring into Michael's 8th mm-hmm. Avenue. All those years later, you become a promoter and your big shows. I mentioned, you know, you used to book me. A lot of the times it was for the Michael shows mm-hmm. because it was in that grand People, banquet hall. Mm-hmm. You know, you wanted to were, pack yeah. the place and they know me. So it's just amazing that we came full circle. I started in the, in the wrestling business doing shows for you at Michael's and... The last wrestling show to date that Michaels ever held was Funny Equals Money, Dwayne Gill's retirement. Yeah, Gilbert and I closed it out. <laughs> That's last right. Match, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, Very with that good. said, I think we're going to close out this episode of the MCW 31 cast. The books, right? 31 is in the can. We want to thank you all for joining us once again this week. For Dan and Tara and our special guest, James Ellsworth, I'm Larry Legend. We'll see you next Tuesday at 8 for the MCW cast.